Um, <laughs> I love the I love the ends of festivals yeah. more so than the arriving. I just think it's a really neat process to watch. What do you like about it? <laughs> so, <laughs> Who's interviewing you here? Exactly. I like. Well, what do I like about it? I like that there's like this finite end to it. It's like, is it clean? Is your campsite clean? Is everything gone? It's over. Yeah, people maybe like to think about uh, things lasting forever, but actually, I think the the squeeze of things coming to an end really, the contrast of that actually makes highlights what what was great about whatever it was. Isn't that? I mean, listen to that again. The squeeze of things coming to an end really highlights what what was great about whatever it was. This is. Megan Yates, M-E-G-H-A-N-Y-A-T-E-S. And you can hear her new album on Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Band called Camp. The Other Side. Google that and go listen to the it. The Other Side. This is the longest audioed yet, I believe. Audio 2 might have been a little longer. Audio 2. Audio 2. This audio is a long two. one. And I'm just going to let my conversation with Megan play out because... I found it to be incredibly enlightening and insightful. I found her perspective to be incredibly enlightening and incredibly insightful. And I'm really excited to share our conversation with you. Megan, Megan Yates. Yates. For more on Audiodes, you can go to www.audiodes.net. You can also support Audiodes financially at patreon.com slash and thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, do. Patreon.com slash audios. I think I weep either three or four times throughout the course of this, so my apologies for that. I just found her perspective to be incredibly new and revelatory. So please enjoy this conversation with Meg Gates. My mother is a is Mi'kmaq, and that's a tribe from the northeast corner of the United States and Canada, primarily Canada. And she's other things, but she's pretty she's pretty native. Mm-hmm. My mom is Mi'kmaq. Her dad, that she never met, was either Navajo and Apache, and um, probably Mexican. And wow! Well, how did that happen? How did that get to Maine then? Well, because my grandmother uh, Cora Gagano lived in Maine. So he somehow, they somehow, I don't, I don't really know because yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> well, because Apache's like down in the Southwest, right? It's true, but yeah. that was my grandfather. So my grandmother is from the Northeast and my okay. grandfather was from the Southwest. Wow. And they somehow met, but you know, there's like a lot of intertribal communication and there's like Maui tours. So, yeah. um, so I don't know exactly how they met or what happened, but. Well, I should say, you said, you know, and I was like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the history of that, and I've read piles of probably written by white men books about it, but I don't know. Basically, the, the sh- very short answer, because I don't necessarily want to talk about Maui tour, like powwow tours, but like yeah. one of the reasons that, this might be a folk answer, it may not be an actual accurate answer, but one of the reasons that I heard about why Maui started is because there's just a lot of inter-tribe breeding, and so like it was a way to like get inter- inter-tribal Oh wow, that's cool. Like yeah, it's, kind of, it's, ki- it's kind of a way to like, you know, diversify. And yeah, I read that's also why there was a lot of intermingling yeah. between the... Europeans and the tribes because that was like a I think there's like a biological 
there's understanding. An, there's an advantage. Yeah, yeah. people like, like we me. Are, that. We get the we get the advantage. So the people that you descended from, uh, it, uh, let's say in Maine, on my mom's side. Yeah, what was their encounter with? Oh my God! How did that go down? Um, well, the Mi'kmaq are on the northeast shore, so tons of people have been coming to the American continent way before most people have written history. Yeah, about. like Vikings, so probably. Vikings for sure, and the Chinese. Oh, how the Chinese get there? How the Chinese get there? <laughs> <laughs> That's what. One of the things I love about China is like every time we get into like our petty squabbles about the United States president or whatever, it's like, dude, the Chinese do not give a fuck. Yeah. They have been there for thousands and thousands. They do not yeah. give a goddamn. And they've been inventing and doing all kinds of things yeah. for a v forever. Totally. Forever and ever. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So between, because I want to answer this question before we get more into this. My mom was taken away from her mom at two years old because the only child care available in Portland, Maine um, for Native women was the Catholic orphanage. And if you gave them any reason, which could be any reason at that time in the 50s, so if you came in having any scent of alcohol on you, your kid was taken away. And that's what happened. And then given to like a Catholic family. Mm -hmm. Wow. So my mom, all, all all of Cora's children, all my grandmother's children, all but one were taken away from her. My Aunt Prudy, who just died last year, was the only one that was retained in her care. So your mom was taken away? From my mom was taken away from her. And so she was brought to a French Acadian family up north um, near Presque Isle, which is like bumfuck Maine. Yeah, like, like way up there. Yeah. Past Banger. Way past Banger. <laughs> wow. Banger. Banger. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, you said that like a real Mainer. You didn't say Bangor. Yeah. <laughs> Most people. Yeah. So she was told she was Spanish until she was 17. Also, my mom's a lesbian. And so she just had like a whole lot of identity issues as oh a young God, person. Yeah. And like had a fake boyfriend that they were both seeing other people. And like, wow. so then she found out she was native when she was 17, kind of by accident, I think. And then ran away from home and became homeless for 10 years and sort of became like a street minister. And of what? She just she just kind of would like sit and listen to people's stories and awesome. she just she just immersed herself in that. She's really fascinating. She's a hard person to be around, but yeah. brilliant and kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm in awe of my mom. So yeah, and then she was working for my dad Oh, I don't know how I got here, but anyway, she was working for my dad, and they were out drinking one night, and he raped her, and here I am. But yeah, my mom was taken away Whoa, from her mom. That's how. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just skipped over that. And, Did and you and notice I, that? Yeah, yeah cool. But, uh, we, don't have to dig, <laughs> we don't have to dig into that, but but on a bigger, I mean, the question you just asked, I don't know how I got here. Right. Great question. Yeah. I mean, if we're gonna if we're yeah. gonna have like a national conversation about immigrants, you know. No, and really, and one of the reasons why I, I mention this, it's not like wham wham me, because honestly, I'm really grateful that I'm here, and like, thank goodness that all of that happened. But the uh, statistics for for these things, for this kind of thing. So, and I was also taken away from my mom when I was nine, and you know what's on record? So, like, 
my relationship with my mom is very challenging and there are a lot of things. There are a lot of reasons why I should have been taken away from my mom. But the, the thing that's actually on record is that we were living in uncivilized conditions. Oh my God. You know what's amazing is that year that I was taken away from her was actually the healthiest, most level and happiest year that I had with my mom. And we were living up north and she was training me, she was training me in her words, um, how to be a real Indian. Uncivilized conditions. Mm -hmm. Who makes that distinction? The, the state of Maine. The state of Maine. We were living in a hovel. And what year is this? Okay, so I was born in 82, and I was a, I was probably about eight, actually, when they determined this, eight or nine. So, so the 90s, maybe? Yeah, early in the 90s. 90s. Yeah, so just, just to so, reiterate, not 1804. No, and not even 1954 and right. 56 when my mom was taken away. So because this is the thing, a lot of the intention is the same, but they've cloaked it in social work policy terms they've like, it's all cloaked but it's the same thing like we're still trying to eradicate the history of this because it's uncomfortable to know that you know our comfort is built on the back of violence so well and there's a lot of it, parts to this but one of the things that really bothers me just makes me sad is why was the impulse when these two people met for one to eradicate the other what about our species is that? As opposed to, wow, what do you guys do? You live in hovels up in the woods. How does that work? We build and these is, wooden... Can we, can, we, can we not call them hovels? Could it well, be yeah, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Your you, homes... You, you live yeah. in a way that is integrated in land. You live in yes. a way that is unrecognizable to me. Can, right. can you talk to me about it? And you know, there has always been yeah. curiosity and crossover. And one of the reasons why the Mi'kmaq still have presence actually is because there's always been, there's definitely been a lot of violence between natives and non-natives in the Northeast. So let's get real. But there's a lot of resiliency. What I would identify native is not about blood and it's not about how somebody looks. And it's not even necessarily about, it's not about drums and feathers, although culture is really important. And Maintaining storylines is really important. I take a lot of care with sharing what I know, the essence of what I know from what I have gleaned from being an in-betweener, somebody who's in-between. What I mean by that is I am native and non-native. And my dad was Colombian, which means he was everything. He was African and Mayan and Spanish and French and probably like, you know, Sephardic Jewish. Like there's just like a whole lot going on in the islands. and. But that, his story is all about being conquered, too, because he actually, the, my mom and my dad have very similar stories. But that violence, right? The thing that you just said, I actually thought you were talking about my parents, when one person encounters another and wants to obliterate them, which is really interesting. Yeah. Because the way that that's been handled on a mass scale is the same as it is on a personal scale. And I think that's why my life is really dedicated towards the truth of peacemaking rather than the appeasement of peacemaking. There's an appease of peace. There's the appearing to be peaceful. But to actually understand peace, um, there's quite a bit of destruction that actually has to happen there. The way that we destroy a blank canvas, the way that we destroy the silence by using our voice, we have to get good with that. We have to get good with our destruction in order to actually know peace and to build it in a really authentic way. While you're talking about that, this horrible truck with a loud trailer <laughs> rolls by, you know, it's like how much destruction is involved in that one thing? And if we get good with healthy destruction, with constructive destruction, then I think it's inherent that we begin to roll out with integrating that into our larger systems. And so the benefit of being somebody who is native and non-native is that I have this unique, though albeit very painful position of um, not really being included in either culture, always being questioned on who I am. In fact, the question always is, what are you? 
Oh, my girlfriend has that same. She says she got that question when she was growing up. She's half Filipino. Yeah. And she said people would ask her that at school. That's just. I was in a pizzeria when I was like 13 and I was whatever, gangly and angular, and my hair was to my knees. And this woman, and I, you know, I'm in Maine, seriously yeah. one of the like palest states yeah. ever. And there is a native presence, but it's very concealed. It's very cleaned up. It's not like here where you see signs for the res. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, the Mi'kmaq. Oh, yeah, the yeah, doesn't it feel like the East Coast, just the way that the wave of settling happened? On the West Coast, it feels like by the time it got here, they were a little more about, Maybe let's we, put up some signs, and you can go over there. We could celebrate it by appropriating you more publicly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas on the East Coast, we're all like, we just want what you know, but we don't really want to see you. Right. We just, we really want to read about you in books and we want to like have our cowboys and Indians like themed wallpaper in our bedrooms as little kids. But actually, when it comes down to it, we want to keep you really small and drunk and sick and shooting each other at the res. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Because There's why? so much because romanticization. Because threatened by that? Because of Christianity? Because of... Well, and the attraction for most little boys usually is usually in contrast to the very limiting and very moral, like the moral restrictions of Christianity, which is interesting because... Uh, didn't, dare we call it freedom? The attraction of freedom? But the thing is, the freedom in Native culture is the things that are romanticized are... They're there, but the freedom actually is that we know how to be in community and we know how to be in relationship with the earth. There isn't actual freedom here. We're in bodies that are right. decomposing like every day. It's not like any of us actually is free because you have to give up something in order to be free in one area. So what I feel like is actually wanted and why people are so drawn to native culture is that we have a memory and it's a very subtle memory, but we have memory of being in concert relationship with each other in, in an interdependent way. and we see that there are people who have more extroverted expression of that memory and we want that and so we tend to develop relationships by calling things things, by naming them and by immersing ourselves in it in some way. What I have hope for as somebody who is between being native and non-native is that people remember that we are all people of the earth. We're all people of the earth. All. All. We are all people of the earth. And that we come from stories and that the stories... Oh, what I was going to say is my definition of native is um, is human. People are like, I want to hear Native American stories. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, like, talk to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you want to hear... You maybe want to... You think you want to hear, you know, um, the story of... Uh, my brain's blanking, but whatever. You think you want to hear this particular story of like painted ponies or like this particular person who did the thing and made the sage or whatever. Yeah. Like you think you want to hear these things, but actually if you sit and actually listen to somebody talk about their life, most of my experience is sitting with people for hours, listening to them often tell the same story over and over and over and over again. And my ego rising up and being really uncomfortable and being like, oh, I already heard the story. I already know this. I already know this. I already know this. I already know this. And then actually over time, the water of the conversation gently 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 smoothing and, and um, corroding my my little prickly edges you know inherent as a human that like I want to be heard and I, I want to hear something new and I want and I want and I want and like getting like sort of edgy with that but actually like being um, gently mulled over time and recognizing oh you're actually you're sharing something new to, with me every single time you share the story there's a reason why you're sharing it and I'm hearing something new every time ah got it the way of teaching 
through experience rather than teaching by telling. Yeah. It's a very different thing. Like there's yeah. a moment to teach by tell. Like this is a teach by tell kind of whatever. Like I'm like pouring yeah, it all out. Yeah, it's so funny. I just I just pictured while you were talking that I just pictured I just had this like zoom out mainly because I looked at the time and I'm like just thinking about it as a producer on some level. Sure. And I'm thinking about like yeah. So some people and all the I mean I look at the demographics there there's a lot of people that are listening to these now that I've made them public on the podcast and they listen to them in Russia and mm -hmm. China like everywhere so people will just be sitting there listening to you tell this and that's so beautiful and also they're in their own experience and exactly. what do they I mean how do we heal the world how do we, you know it's not for one of us to do We sit and we talk to each other. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm obviously not asking that of you or expecting that of you, but it's just, I'm so tired of. <laughs> oh, you think you're tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm overtired. <laughs> I know, I Mo know. Most, most indigenous people were kind of like, did you see the new Aziz Ansari comedy special? No, I didn't see it. Yet. Oh, I highly recommend it. One of the things he, he kind of alludes to is like, you know, white people are finally like, yeah, right. They're exactly. like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, right. <laughs> Aziz, is, Aziz, is, Aziz is like, yeah, I mean, that's cool. You're That's cool. Be there. But also, like, most of us are like, oof, well, we've been in this conversation I'm, for so long. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a little overtired. But I'm, I'm aware so, of that. I mean, yeah. But I'm also, but like, we have to be where we are, right? This is like, this is a really important thing. And, and I feel honored and, and delighted to be able to talk with you and to speak so firmly, I guess, or clearly about this, because I don't really get, I don't actually often have an opportunity to just say this shit to somebody who's actually going to hear me, because yeah. usually I'm in advocacy or like education moments where I'm like, oh, it's like this. Do I have enough energy to say this thing right now? Well, and, mm, yeah. Because like, uh, I'm constantly putting in a conversation. Oh, so what I was saying about being a 13-year-old in the, in the pizza shop, this woman comes up to me and she goes, you're so exotic looking. What are you? And I'm like, exotic is the word that I get. Like, people can't say beautiful because I don't look like a my beautiful mom, white person. My mom so, called my girlfriend that. Yeah. As a, as a, when she met her, yeah. as a compliment. Yeah. Exotic. Oh, yeah. It's meant, it, people mean it as a compliment. It's, it's not, though. The definition of the word is from somewhere else. Yeah. 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 Sorry, so, no. yeah, no, but it's a thing, like, I don't I don't look like a beautiful white person, so people don't really know how to relate to the way that I'm beautiful, and they don't really know how to relate to me because I seem something. Like, they can't figure out what it is about me that makes them feel kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> right. And so they ask me, what are you? And I'm like, uh, I'm a human. And that's actually what I said to this woman at great 13 answer. years old. Oh, killer, yeah, yeah great. Because, you know, because I wasn't thinking politically. She was just right. like, what are you? And I was like, is this not obvious? I'm a human. Right. I have a face and limbs and I'm standing bipedally. Like, what What do you mean? What? And she goes, no, like, like, where are you from? And I'm like, here? Yeah, great. <laughs> and my dad was standing and looking at her like, mm, So your this, dad was is my dad still was present with, in your life. Oh, my dad's dead. But but then but he was he was I moved into his care oh yeah so yeah my given dad, how that my dad raped my mom and then he molested me and then he married a white woman who 
uh, whose dad was like pretty high up in the in the judicial system in Maine, and that's why there was a custody battle over me all of a sudden, and why and the only thing that they could find because my mom is real smart, so the only thing that they could find was that we were living in uncivilized conditions, and then so he got care of me. He was a fisherman. He was never home. Well, Meg, then he, I mean, then he died when I was 17 because his boat was split in half by an oil tanker, and he was alone on the boat, and he just was at sea. There's nothing regular about my story, <laughs> except well, that I was married for 10 years. I would say there's also statistically the fact that you're sitting here and telling this story of the people who have had a story that in some way looks similar to that. They're not here or they're... N- you would think that, John? Okay, maybe not. So yeah. it's it's interesting. I have never... I, I do not often meet people who have stories like mine. My story, and I've only, like, scratched the, like, you know, the supposed 20 minutes of this podcast uh, surface. Mm-hmm. There are things that I've experienced and seen that, like, most people that I encounter haven't. But I was in the desert uh, a handful of years ago with 399 other mostly indigenous women, um, ranging from Anres, you know, quote-unquote full-blooded, which I say quote-unquote because I'm just not sure that that actually exists. But people who are more enculturated, and like more by blood quotum, um, which I think is a violent concept, but um, oh, more more native, if you will. And I'm saying that in this way because there were also people like me, women like me, who were partially enculturated, but between. I feel like that's a, a gentle way to say like of both worlds. Is it at all fair to to use the word American on that? Like it's in many ways that's the most American you can be. If we're going to use that Ooh. label. Yes. I know there's so many conversations about that. Yeah, of course. Well, let me get back yeah, to this part, yeah, though. Yeah. What was amazing is that so many of us would sit in circles. And so many of us, whether we were on res natives or off res natives or full blooded natives or betweeners like me, what I like about the word betweeners, it takes out the quotum things. I, you know, we don't come in parts. We don't come in. Yeah, I really love that. It's beautiful. A lot of us had the same fucking story. I've been trying to reconcile how I could possibly exist or fit in anywhere in like a one-on-one setting, like in the Western psychological met, that way of people sitting in one and one and one in a room and they're like trying to work it out. Yeah. That like only makes me more anxious. The thing that worked for me was that there is like a collective somatic unfurling, which is a very indigenous approach that the community had to come together to heal, to be like, no, actually many of us have been privately suffering with this and actually the thing that began to unfurl and my rage began to pour out actually. And I, I am grateful I found it. It's been an awkward handful of years though, because I have a lot of pain and grief and rage that is like mine, but is it's also generational and it's also current, current communal rage that is specific to being a native woman, that is specific to being, you know, I was in my grandmother's womb. I was in my grandmother's womb. I was an egg in my in my mom when my mom was in her womb. The violence that she knew in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and she died in the 70s. Like, wow. I, ex- I, I experienced almost a year of, of that. Yeah. But then like I was in my mom <laughs> and then my mom carried me through. And like all, all of this memory, this like very subtle memory and um, yeah, the, the chemical reality of, of oppression in the body. And like to be with other women, to be crying for six days, to be grieving, to like have sort of like a, a funeral. I don't know, like it was just, 
it was ceremony to realize that there were other people in, on the, in the world, on the planet, that had very similar experiences in, in, in this, like, American Indian, in this, in this experience. I'm going, to t I'm going to tell this anecdote and then I'm going to ask a question okay. and it's going to come out of this anecdote. But so I was walking over to the band area yesterday and Devin was playing catch with a friend, mm -hmm. baseball catch. Mm -hmm. And that's like a cultural thing that is so familiar to me. It brings me back to my childhood. You don't mm -hmm. see that very much. And I was like, oh my God, you guys are playing catch. And they're like, yeah. And they wage. And it was this like... <laughs> Big old white man <laughs> understanding, you know? Big old white man understanding. We've all done it. You know? <laughs> it felt so nice. I don't have any of those things. But I'm just wondering, as a, as a, as a white man, we were talking about this. Like, I, I, I guess I'm native too. I'm a person, you know, like. You're a person of the earth. Yeah. Where, where are your people from? Uh, Northern Europe. Great. All of them. Where in Northern Europe? What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. Corey no, and actually, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to okay. interview you for a second. Because, Let's do it. Because, Great. right? Because, like, that identity, this identity crisis, yeah. part of what we have to do. Okay, I'm going to interview you in a second. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it is, part like, I've said my shit. My whole thing no, has been said so many no, times. No, 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 but you've said your shit, but here, let's come at it from this angle. Okay. So, because part of what I feel like we need to do, and, and this is actually, like, probably like the most directive statement to that. This is one of the categories where I might make directive statements like mm -hmm. this. Part of what I believe we need to do, and I don't believe very much, to be honest, there's very little that I actually believe in. But one of the things that I know that I believe in is that we, we will be served by remembering the original dream. And one of the original dreams is that we, as fully intact humans, remembering where we come from, can move together into the future. One of the dreams of America, can you imagine two Greek, Greek philosophers like a thousand years ago sitting and imagining what it would be like to be in a multicultural continent of people who were actually harmoniously working together? Right. This is a very particular thing, and it took a lot of destruction and violence, and it yeah. took a lot to get here. So, and we, we tend to stay with suffering rather than actually converting it and moving forward yeah, together. Yeah, jeez, can and we so, get there? So, and actually the suffering, part of the suffering that we still need to move through, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Part of the suffering that we need to move through is the self-flagellation of like the violence that our ancestors caused. Like, you didn't take my land, you know, like you didn't, right. you didn't rape my great, 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 anybody. Yeah. The guilt. No, I was just playing need, catch. We, all I did right? is play catch. We need to I played it on land that was originally Chippewa right. and sure. Dakota. But, but <laughs> that, but that violence has always been. We, yeah. we have always, like, you look at the history of Northern Europe and it's the same fucking thing. Right, so, exactly. So this is what I mean. How far so back so do you it's go? just a little bit of a further memory and so it's not as active in the mind, but right. like it's the same yeah. violence. Great. So to remember the original dream, we kind of have to remember that we all come from people and to remember those stories because the essence that's in our bones that, yeah. we, that we carry through and that our water that is always moving through, right? Those stories carry the memory. There's seeds in all of those stories. One of the reasons why, again, I think that people look to Native American stories is that we can feel the seed that's underneath the words. We can feel the energy underneath. And to be in the energy of recognition is really what it, for me, what it's all about. And so to recognize the original dream and then to recognize our place in it, we have to remember how to be intact. And to be intact, we kind of have to remember where, where we come from enough. And we also have to have vision of moving forward. And personally, I would add, you know, hopefully with some togetherness in that vision. So 
that for me is actually what native is because native has always been being native is like constantly adjusting to new reality it was never static there are ways in which we retain um, the stories the stories are where we carry what it is the essence of what we are but the stories have always been influenced by outsiders to flex with grace that is indigenous that's one of the definitions for me of what it is to be indigenous because it's not just a, a land the monastic is not only, a, it's not about, I mean, you have the, the principle of stability, but it's not exactly about the brick and mortar of the walls. It's actually about committing to, to the practice within yourself that gives it integrity, that gives it shape. So we have to give it shape, but it's not just about the shape. It's not just the thing. It's not, um, this, this phrase came when I was a kid. It's not, it's, it matters less what we do and say and matters more how we're being, but doing and saying is part of being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... That's great. So yeah, to remember the original dream. So when I ask you the this... The original dream, yeah. When I ask you this, what I mean is, because you feel like you've told your story, but actually... It's I feel like my story has been told, No, and that's the violence. When you call yourself white, you're whitewashing yourself. You're playing the numbers game. Yeah. When you call yourself white, you're adding yourself to the majority. When you remember who you are, you're taking yourself out of the majority, and you're actually just then a person. When you're a person, then you're human. When you're human, you're indigenous. Go to your land. Go to the heart of your land. Go to the heart of your stories. Go to the heart of your ancestors. And then remember the dream of how do we how to move forward, but maybe finding the actual peace rather than the appeasement of peace and um, moving the story forward from this place. Yeah, so maybe that's why I keep going. Maybe that's why I keep going back to Germany and touring in Germany. I mean, that's where, as far back as we could go, it's Germany. They paid the, my ancestors came from Germany to Minnesota, mm -hmm. eventually. And so then the Germanic tribes that they were descended from, mm -hmm. I guess is where I come out of. So what was that? I don't know anything about that, actually. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, because right. you have been looking, like right. many, to other people's stories. Yeah. I encourage you to see if you can find any of the keepers of the most, of the most ancient you know, that you can get. <laughs> But you know what? You don't even need to necessarily talk to somebody else. What I would say, and this might be a little woo for you, but too bad, because um, part of how I know what I know, part of it is listening, sitting and listening to elders. Part of it is listening to like, but what, what, what I know from what they know is that we sit with ourselves in silence a lot and we ask ourselves. And one of the main tenets that I've gleaned on how to be a good human, basically from elders, is to ask yourself, and, and not only ask yourself, but to trust what you hear, that... Um, you might sit in silence for a while and begin to ask yourself in the subtlest, but like, how what would it be like to talk to your bones and be like, what can you tell me? What do you know? What about the water in your body? What, do, what does the water in your body know? And you might get like a shimmer of something, but if that shimmer could grow into a little bit of a bonfire, you know, just, just a little got bit a of a shimmer. Camper, I mean, right? if I may, I just got a shimmer, which is like, <laughs> I remember reading that the Germanic tribes were fucking badass. Like you, right? you could not go through there. They would kick the shit out of you. <laughs> so, honestly, John, I kind of see that essence in you. Not like you're going to kick the shit out of anybody, but you're, <laughs> no, you're, no, no. you're willing to stand tall in whatever scenario you're in and use your voice. Yeah. So you're bringing forth that in a peaceful way. Right. Take ownership of it. Claim it. Restore it. Repair it. If you want to heal the world... <laughs> Personally, I feel like if we could all like I appreciate the cynicism in that <laughs> It's there. Oh my god, Meg, thank you so much for this. 
You're welcome. There was a lot that came <laughs> out when I invoked the word America. Mm. We are in what is currently called America. What, if anything, does that mean? For me, it's the, yeah, orig for you. It's the original dream. Which is? <sighs> Not something that can be summed up in any two-minute thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, look into the word America. What does the word America mean? Isn't it just Amerigo, the guy? <laughs> it's a guy. Isn't it named after oh, a guy? Oh, it might be. Yeah. Well, we should look into that guy. We should guy. look into that guy. Though. I always wonder why, the, where, why they came up with that. Because the United States... I don't know where they went. Why they went with that guy? Because he didn't even. F I mean, found it. I don't know why. I actually don't know why. So yeah, I'm always curious Amerigo about the words. Amerigo Verspucci or Verspucci, something. That's I'm right. Trying. I don't know um, if that's right. Yeah, I don't know because I only know the corner of the world that you know my 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 mom's people are from, which is like the people of the dawn. So the I people get, of the dawn. The people that's of the dawn. Beautiful. Oh yeah, because that's where the light. Oh I, yeah, beautiful. And actually, if you think of well, anyway, yeah. Uh, I, could get, I could get into that. I mean, like the we people of the light, going. the people of the light, you know, but yeah. what is, what is America? I mean, it's all kinds of things. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really Which depends is its on beauty. who you're, it's, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean by it's the original dream. Yeah. Yeah. Because even the people who were here, you know, uh, the people, my ancestors, you know, because even my South American ancestors, it's all like the same thing. Isn't like all landmass just, I mean, isn't like it's just a gathering of tribes? <laughs> right. I was just, well, like, I'm, just, I'm reading the history uh, right now. I'm reading the, it's a little, I am a white historian telling you this story, but it's good to have that perspective too of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, you've got the Blackfeet. And they're like fucking with the Nez Perce, and the Nez Perce like we're not fucking going up there. Those guys yeah. will take us out, you know. Like yeah. that was all happening then. So that's you no. Know. I mean, yeah, no. There's so many we the yeah. There's there are confederations that are formed basically to be like we need to stop warring each other. So yeah, the Iroquois. Yeah. Hey, oh, and the, and the Wabanaki. Yeah, Wabanaki. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Here's a here's a good way to come to a. To somehow, a pause. yeah, or something. <laughs> I've heard this anecdote that the Iroquois Confederation's organizing principles or something were somehow present in the Constitution. Have oh, you yeah. ever heard that? I've heard that too, but I don't really know much about it. But sounds um, a little bit like bullshit to no, me. No, because one of my one of my elders said that. He said, "Yeah, if you actually look, if you actually look at the Constitution, you can hear our teachings, the influence right. of our teachings there." Yeah, um, there's taught there's like anecdotes about how Ben Franklin would go out and hang out totally. there. He loved it. This is the thing that we touched on earlier is that there's always been mutual fascination and conversation. It's not like it wasn't but there's also always been violence. Right. That that is still there. Yeah, like, we are a violent species. So yeah, I mean yeah. We naturally right? are. Every step we take kills things. We don't ask the ants before paving, so right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um when the Christians came to uh, the Mi'kmaq Nations they like brought, mm. you know, like they brought some like tunes, you know, like Amazing Grace. Yeah. Right. And the Mega Mall were like, oh, we already know this. We already know the music of this tune. Those, um, oh, wow. those, that progression, it oh, was that's... already was already familiar to us. Oh, that's great. Ule Oh, I forgot the rest of it. It's basically centered on um, peace. What is? Do you, can you translate the? Uh, um, peace, how sweet the sound. Wow. Uh, I forget the exact translation because they're they're 
I wonder the if it's saved a wretch. I bet that's no, no, not no, in there. No, 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 it's not. And <laughs> yeah. actually, that's one of the things. I'm trying to remember the exact translation, but it's not saved. Saved and it's a not, wretch. And it's not wretch. Yeah. Something. I don't know if it's saved, but saved got in there because there's quite a bit of a strong Christian presence that's actually mutually enjoyed in Megama Nation. There's a really strong Christian presence because a lot of those teachings fit, like the heart of the teachings yeah. actually fit with the heart of the teachings. If you go back to the, Jesus and people, what he said. Totally. Yeah. The pairing of that actually was really natural. And that's kind of what I mean. It's like, can you say that a Christian native is not really totally native, isn't naturally native? It's like, no, because the weaving of other people's teachings and understanding how we all fit together in that interrelated web is indigenous. That's an indigenous way of approaching things. It's looking at the whole ecosystem of things and being like, we're interrelated. It's not I and you, it's we and me. And we and me, right, those letters are pretty flippable. They're exchangeable. They're more exchangeable than I and you, which is coming from more of a separate, they're the same concept, but the tone of approach, the quality of approach is just different enough in which you feel more included when we say we, rather than I and you. Yeah. So the quality of approach, that's kind of what I mean when I say the quality of approach of asking yourself, where do you come from? Because yeah. like, sure, your general generic white story has been told, but what about your story? Yeah, that's badass. John Elliott. That's badass. Bad. Right? That's badass. Like your story and remembering that and like actually <laughs> walking in your shoes and walking through the world with you and your, your heart and giving away what you know and being influenced by others, that is human. Being influenced by others and then converting it, especially as an artist and standing on stage and sharing what you know in that way and sparking and we're never going to get it done or be complete. So like we can't worry about offending anybody or getting it wrong really. I mean, yeah. I think the way that we need to worry about that is allowing ourselves to be humble enough to be approached when somebody comes up and says, could you consider this? It'd be great if you considered this, whether they say it in a harsh way or not. Wait, this, <laughs> that, that, that's funny. <laughs> that is uh, totally, I, I really, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a real thing. Just as you keep performing and you keep being in situations, and I have put a lot of stuff out there sometimes a little more harshly or violently, maybe, uh, I don't know, I've, I've had those moments. I've had people come up and say this or that or the other thing, and as a, as a younger man, I was pretty, like, combative about it, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I've learned that there is something to be said for hearing that because you do want to communicate something. Right. So if you're shutting people off, then you've, what have you done? You've, you've kind of ruined your chance. Right. Um, I want to just tell you, I have never thought about identity that way. Hmm. In all the thought, like, thank you so much for that. That's, that's so right. It really is so right because, like, on a very, like, really weirdly, I mean, I, I don't want this to sound like I'm romanticizing it way. I really do feel like some innate connection to the indigenous experience. I don't know why I keep reading these books, but I keep reading these books. Keep and reading like, them. Yeah, and so there's something about that that really captures my imagination. I love living in a tent and traveling around and being itinerant and experiencing different things in different places and I've never thought about it that it actually could actually connect to my cells and my water and uh, fucking A man we were doing that that's what they exactly. were exactly and in fact actually the thing that you highlighted because the thing that I would highlight about being indige indigenous is community and being right. and and actually um, so the Mi'kmaq go from the mountain 
to the woods to the water to the water to the woods to the mountain from mm. the water like mm. there's uh, a weaving sort of, of of environment it's not exactly about wandering it's actually really about sustainability and to be in actual right relationship with the land and each other and movement but there's like there's pathways there were specific paths that were taken so it's interesting that what's highlighted for you is you know living in a tent and being itinerant and like moving around because that is actually more how I would identify the indigenous Germanic movements. Yeah. Like that's more. Re- that's I got to look into that. You. I've never read that. Right? Actually, I've never gone all and looked at. And I think that's one of the reasons why people look to native to indigenous texts across the board, not just Native American, but because we have memory of that. We have memory of it, but we can't see it in For our. Sure. You, we, we can't all see it, do. That's but we can't what, see it as clearly. Yeah. And to begin to look in into it under your own surface, and also it might seem like the things that come up might seem so subtle at first that you might overlook them because it's closer than your own breath. Your own history is closer than your own breath. It's in your bones, it's in your eyes, it's in your tears, it's in, in how you laugh. You are a composite of everyone who's come before you and you are, you are actually, even if you have no children, you're still giving yourself away and, and moving yourself into the future. So how you move forward really matters because you're, 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 it literally matters. It matters. <laughs> it is matter. 